Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join special guest Derek Gray as he teaches from the Word of God. If you got your Bibles this morning and you want to follow along, you can turn to Genesis. I made it real easy on you. First book of the Bible, you have to search for it. You just open the Bible right at the beginning, Genesis. We're going to be in chapter 11 and looking at verses 31 to 32. Genesis chapter 11, 31 to 32. The title of my message this morning is, Are You Stuck in Haran? Are You Stuck in Haran? Haran, and right now that makes no sense to you at all, but I promise you by the time it's done, uh, you will. As many of you may or you may not know, um, I teach a Bible study here uh, at River of Life. I've been doing that for many years, and um, right now, normally I go through, just take books of the Bible, and right now we're going through the book of Genesis, and um, we started about uh, nine months ago back in January, and this morning we just started in, in chapter 12. And a few weeks ago, I, I, I came across this passage of, of Scripture. Let's read it, uh, Genesis eleven thirty one to 32. It says, Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now, I, I taught through chapter 11, and, and I moved on, and I thought I was done with it. But over the next couple of weeks, I couldn't get one statement out of my mind. And you can probably guess which one it is. It says, when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now, this morning, I'm going to tell you a story about two men. One of the men's name is Terah, he's the dad. The other uh, is a man named Abram, and he's the son. Now, many years later, God is going to change Abram's name to Abraham, so I'm just going to call him Abraham today to avoid any, any confusion. So it's really about a story about two men, Terah and Abraham. This story uh, happened in real life some 4,000 years ago. And you may be thinking, well, now, what in the world does, a, does something that happened 4,000 years ago have to do with us today here in our modern society? Well, Romans 15.4 tells us that the things that were written in former times, talking about the Old Testament, was written for our instruction. In other words, these stories are written down so that we can learn from them. And so that's what we're going to try to do this morning is learn something, about, learn something for ourselves from the story of, of these two men. Now, the Bible is a little short on details, so we're going to use the Bible. We're also going to use some archaeology, and we're also going to use some maps, believe it or not. And we're going to figure out a few things um, and some valuable lessons as we go through here. So we, we're, here we are in Genesis chapter 11, and these two men, uh, Terah and Abraham, are introduced to us. Now, not much is known about them Prior to this, they are, uh, we, we know, for example, Terah at this point is, gr is more than 70 years old because he was 70 years old when he had his three sons. So he's already up in age. We know that Abraham is already married, so he's already up in age. So the Bible just kind of picks up right there and starts telling us this story about these, 
men, but it doesn't really tell us anything about their early life. But one thing we do know is they were born in a city called Ur. It's, it's known back then as Ur of the Chaldeans. Now today, that city is in southern Iraq. Um, in fact, if you go into Iraq and, uh, and you go down near the Persian Gulf, that city exists in southern Iraq. It's been excavated by archaeologists, so we know something about that city today. In that day, it was in a land called Mesopotamia. Um, the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers, they run up through Iraq, they run up through Syria, uh, into, uh, into northern or southern Turkey, and that land there was known as Mesopotamia, and, and even today, it's known as the Fertile Crescent. In fact, that is the cradle of civilization. When Noah and the ark, when the ark landed in the mountains of Ararat, if you go back and read Genesis, Noah and his three sons, it says they, they, they began to populate the earth, and they came down to a place called the Valley of Shinar. That's Mesopotamia. They came out of the mountains, came down to a flat plain, and they found this Tigris and Euphrates rivers, and it was as fertile as, as anything could get, and they settled there. That's where the Tower of Babel would have been. That's where all the great cities. So that archaeologists recognize even today that is the cradle of civilization. And one of the cities at the very far south of Mesopotamia was a city called Ur, and this is where Terah and Abraham were born. Now, as I said earlier, this city has, has been excavated. You can go there today. Scientists tell, or archaeologists tell us that it was a city of probably over 100,000 people in that day. It was a beautiful city. It had temples and palaces and gardens and market squares and, and law courts. It was very prosperous. It was right on the tip of the Persian Gulf. They had a man-made canal that they had dug out to the, out to the Persian Gulf, and, and, and it was a trade route. They could, they could trade with Africa, they could trade with Malaysia, they could trade over in the, to the Arabian Peninsula. So it was a very prosperous city, economically uh, very, very prosperous. A lot of very wealthy men uh, lived in that city. It was a very safe city. How many of you back in uh, high school le heard, learned about something called the Code of Hammurabi? Anybody? Um, this, was a, this was a, I see some, some young people raise their hand. This was a, uh, an early code of law uh, that was developed by a king called Hammurabi, Hammurabi in that area. And each of the cities were ruled by that code of law. So it was a very safe city. It was a very uh, stable city. So it had a lot of good things going for it, but it had one really bad thing going for it, and that is it was riddled with polytheism. And polytheism just means they worship multiple gods. In fact, archaeologists have, they, they found reliefs and things on the walls. They found ambulance, am, amulets that people would wear for protection. They found uh, little idols, and they counted them up, and they estimated that they worshipped over 500 different gods in that city. In fact, each city in the Mesopotamian area had its own chief god, and the chief god of Ur was Nana, the moon god. In fact, the word Ur literally means the abode of, of Nana. So, so and as I said to my Sunday school class, if, if, you're one of, if you're a grandmama and your kids, grandkids call you Nana, there's not much I can do about that, right? That's just, it is what it is. But this is the world that Terah and Abraham grew up in. It was, a, it was a very safe city. It was a very prosperous city, a very beautiful city, but they worshipped all these false gods. And so they would, of course, been influenced uh, by that. Now, today, 
when we talk about Abraham, we all kind of see Abraham as this man of faith, this great man of God. And somehow we probably get it in our mind that, that he, was a, he was probably a God worshiper as soon as he was born, but that's probably not true. Uh, Joshua 24, verse 2 Centuries later, Joshua has led the Israelites into the land of Canaan, and he gives this speech. He's about to die, and he gives this speech in Joshua 24. It's a real famous chapter. It's where Joshua stands up and says, Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But in this chapter, he says this, Joshua 24, 2. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. See, Joshua looks back in time and he points to Terah, Abraham's father, and he says he was a pagan. He was an idolater. He worshipped other gods. So, so Abraham wasn't born into a Christian home. A Abraham wasn't born into a God-fearing home. He was born into an idolatrous home, into a, into a paganistic home. His father probably worshipped the, uh, the, the moon god. So, so it's very likely that Abraham would have spent his early years as an idolater. When you're a young kid, and if your daddy is an idolater, he's going to raise you to be an idolater, right? So, the, at, so he probably was willingly worshiping false gods, or at the very least, he's going through the motions to please, his, to please his dad. And so here's this city, idolatrous, pagan, but prosperous, and this is the city that Terah and Abraham... Uh, were born into, and they would, of course, been heavily, expo uh, heavily um, exposed by that influence. But the Bible tells us that something happened to Abraham while he was in that city. Acts chapter 7, verses 2 through 3. This is a speech by Stephen, by the way, in the New Testament. Uh, at the end of this speech, they will kill him. If you go read Acts chapter 7, he, he makes this speech, and as soon as he's done, they pick up rocks and they stone him to death. That's how angry they were over what he said. But in Acts chapter 7, verses 2 through 3, it says this, And Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and he said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. So we don't know a lot about Abraham. More than likely, he was involved in paganism. He was involved in idolatry. But one day... God appeared to him and said, Abraham, get out of here. Leave this land, leave this city, leave your family, leave your kindred, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something with you. Me and you are going to do something great together. Get up and go. And you may say to me, well, why did he pick Abraham? It's just grace, folks. That's what grace is. He didn't earn it. He didn't deserve it. It wasn't because he was better than his brothers or better than his next-door neighbor. It's just pure grace. Grace means unearned favor, unmerited favor. God just looked down and said, I choose you. And he picked Abraham. And so Abraham leaves and he obeys. And so he takes his father, he takes his wife Sarai, he takes his, uh, his nephew Lot, his, one of his brothers has died, so he takes his nephew Lot, and they all get in this caravan and they all head out. Now I've asked the guys now to throw up a map for me. Because you can learn a lot by looking at maps. Now, down in the, you'll notice down in the lower right-hand corner is the city of Ur. This is the lower, the, at the lower end of the Fertile Crescent. You'll look over there on the far left, that's Canaan. That's modern-day Israel, okay? 
And so he says that's where they're going, but instead of going straight west, they actually head up the Euphrates River to a city called Haran, and then the idea is they're going to take a left turn and come, and y'all can just leave that up there for right now. They're going to take a left turn and come down into Canaan. Now, why did they do that? Well, there's a couple of reasons. This isn't just four people. First of all, you've got to keep that in mind. The Bible only mentions uh, Terah, Abraham, Lot, and Sarah. But they, they, they've got servants, they've got donkeys, they've got sheep. Everything has to be fed. And if you start in Ur and you go straight west, you're going to cross all desert. So you're going across modern-day uh, Jordan and, and, and all in that area. That's all desert. So that wouldn't have been a very good way to go. So what they do is they go up the Euphrates River. And that is a very well-established trade route. There are cities built all up and down that river because, again, it's a very prosperous area. It's a very fertile area. So this would have been a very well-established trade route that they would have gone. So they make the decision, we're going to go up this nice, safe way. We'll turn and come down uh, the coast. So they get out on their journey. Now, now as, they go up, as they go up northwest here, their city is already built. One of the cities that they would have gone through was the city of Babylon. In, in uh, Abraham's day, it was known as Babalu. And that was a city of hanging gardens. It was a very beautiful city, very prosperous city. And they would have stopped in that city, and they would have resupplied themselves, and then they would have moved on. They'd eventually come up to the city of Asher, another uh, huge city, um, very prosperous city. They would have resupplied there and moved on. Eventually, they came to another city that we would know about, city of Nineveh. Anybody ever heard of that city? It's a city so large, the prophet Jonah said that if you, when you walked across it, it took you three days. Now think about that. You can walk across Tallahassee in about four hours. And Jonah said when you walk across that city, it takes you three days. It's a huge city. And they would have stopped there, and they would have resupplied, and they would have moved on. And eventually, they came to a city called Haran. Now, by the way, from Ur to Haran is 1,400 miles. That would be like walking from here to Denver, Colorado. So they have had this long journey. It's taken them months to get up to this city of Haran. And by the way, just like these other cities, it's a large city. It's a prosperous city. It's a safe city. But this time, something changes. This time, instead of going and saying, all right, let's make this left turn, the Bible clearly says, and when they came to Haran, they settled there. They didn't just resupply. They didn't just stop for a few days. They stopped dead and said, we're not going any further. Now, what they've done is they've stopped short of where God wants them to go, right? He wants them to go down to the land of Canaan. He's got some things there for him. He wants them to do. So, but they stop short of what God has for them. And I want to know why. Why did they do that? Now, I'm going to try to answer that question for you here in just a few minutes. But there's a bigger question here for you and I, and that is, why do we do that? See, if I went around this morning and asked these, some of these questions, how many of you are stuck in your own Haran? How many of you, God has, has, has been working with you and dealing with you and wants to get you somewhere and you've stopped short of where He wants you to go? How many of you here have settled for less than you know that God has for you? See, I, I know you have. I know I have. I mean, we all have from time to time. God's got something, he, place He wants us to go, something He wants us to do, and we get to a certain point and we just stop. 
and we settled down. That's exactly what Terah and Abraham did. Now, I want to know why they did it. Why did you stop? Why didn't you keep going? Well, I'm going to try to give you this morning three reasons. Now, the Bible doesn't really say, but human nature is human nature. I say this all the time. Culture changes, society changes, technology changes. People do not change. Our human nature is human nature. It didn't matter if you live in 2018 or you lived in 1518 or 118. Human nature is human nature. So I think there's three things that I think we can kind of read between the lines that stopped Terah and Abraham from going, to what, going on through to what God had for them. And it's also those three things that stop us. Now, there's more than this, but these three, I think, are in the story. I'm going to give you three of them. Fear, family, and familiarity. Okay? They all start with F. I tried to make it easy. Fear, family, and familiarity. Let's start with the first one, fear. Zach Williams has got a song out right now. I'm sure you've all heard it. It's called Fear is a Liar, right? And in the chorus, in fact, we, Kathy and I were listening to it this morning on the way in. It says this, fear, he is a liar. He will take your breath and stop you what? In your steps. Man, that is so true. Fear has a way of just making you settle. I'm not going any further. Think about, think about their journey. They started down in a city they grew up in. They knew the people. They knew the culture. They knew the economy. They knew everything. And they're, they're easing up through this 1,400 miles. It takes them months, and they travel. And they finally come to the last city, the city of Haran. And they, they're going to have to take a left, and they're going to have to go down into the land of Canaan. Now, Terah is the dad. Now, he's in that society, and we'll talk about this in a minute, he's the leader. Whatever he says goes. He might ask your advice, but at the end of the day, he's the ruler. Whatever, he's the man. So he has a choice to make when he gets to Haran. I can, I can either believe the promises of God that he gave to my son, that he's going to give me a new land, give us a new land. I can trust God's promises or not. You see, if he trusts God's promises, he's going to leave this safe area that he knows along the Euphrates and he's going to go down into Canaan. And Canaan is not like these other cities. Canaan is a, is a land of different tribes. There's Jebusites and Amorites and Philistines and Hittites. And they're all warring with one another. It's a very unstable land. These cities that they've passed through are very stable, very law-abiding cities. They're fixing to go into a land where people are trying to kill one another. And so Terah looks down and he looks at where he is and he says, You know what? I think I'll just stay right here. You see, the fact is, you and I face the same choices every day. God has given us certain promises. God wants us to walk with Him. He wants, us to, he wants to guide us. He wants to take us different places. And the fact is, so many of us let fear stop us from moving ahead. The fear of the unknown. What, what will I encounter if I do this? What's going to happen to me if I go down this path? And we just, we just settle in. And we stay with what we know. Now, you may say to me this morning, well, you know, and, and, and we, I think we'd all agree fear has a way of stopping us, doesn't it? So how do we overcome it? How do we get past it? I picked one verse this morning I want to show you. But all the verses in the Bible that deal, deal with fear do this exact same thing. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says this. It says, keep your life free from the love of money 
and be content with what you have. Because He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Every time you read the Bible and it's telling you not to fear, the reason it tells you not to fear is because of a person, God himself. Don't be afraid. God's here. Don't be afraid. God has said. I said to my Sunday school class this morning, our faith is faith in a person, not a plan. Let me say that again. Our faith is faith in a person, not a plan. God is never going to just lay everything out for you and say, well, you know, a year from now I want you to do this, and then three months later I want you to do that, and then this is going to happen. If he did all that, it wouldn't be faith. It'd be just following a map. And God, what he does, he says, I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen. What I will tell you is I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'll always be with you. I am faithful to my promises. I am faithful to my word. See, that's the choice. Terah had a choice. Trust God or not. It's the same choice that you and I have. So that's one of the things that causes us to settle in our Christian walk is we have fear. I'm just going to stick with what I know and not move ahead. Trust God if that happens to you. The second thing that causes us to settle sometime is family. Okay? Now, this is a tough one, but I think we see it here. Listen, they settled down in, in, um, they settled down in Haran. The last verse I read to you says, Terah dies. If you flip the page, the very first thing Abraham does, he gets up and he leaves. Now, what does that tell us? That tells us the only reason he stayed in Terah was because of his daddy. As long as his daddy stayed there, he stayed there. As soon as his daddy died... He gets up and, and, and moves on. Now, listen, in that day, Abraham was doing what he had to do. That culture was very different from the culture we have today. The culture we live in today, children grow up and they move away and sometimes long distances, and that's just that's, that's nothing wrong with that. It just is what it is. But in that day, that was a patriarchal society. In other words, the, the father ruled the household. Whatever the father said, that's what you, you did. Even the sons. The father said, you do this, they, they did that. And so what Abraham is doing, he's just doing what culture requires of him to do. Terah was the father. He ruled and Abraham would have obeyed. He's just doing what the culture demanded. But there's a really interesting scripture I read to you a while ago. You don't have to pull it up, but I'm going to read it again. In Acts chapter 7, you remember Stephen said... The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. He said to him, go out from your land and from your what? From your kindred, from your family. Leave your family, leave your dad, leave your brothers, leave everything of that behind. But he doesn't. He takes his dad with him. Now, we don't know why. We don't know why the father went along, but if he'd obeyed God from the beginning, the father really shouldn't have been there. So the fact that he got stopped there in Haran was because he didn't obey early on. Now, this can be a really tricky subject when you talk about family. So I want to be, I want to be really careful here. The Bible is very clear. I want to make sure we understand this. The Bible is very clear that we have responsibilities to our family. Ephesians 6, 1 and 2, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. 1 Timothy 5, 8, if anyone, listen to this, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for a member of his household, he has denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. Now that's not good. 
I don't know what worse than an unbeliever really means, but I can tell you it ain't good. But it says if you're a man and you don't, and you don't provide for your children and for your wife and for your family, you are worse than an unbeliever. You have denied the faith. There is a responsibility there that you have for your family. John 13, 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, love one another. Now that certainly means love your parents, love your, your children, love your aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and cousins, love one another. They're not excluded from that. So we have a responsibility toward our family. But then Jesus says this, Luke 14, 26, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and his mother and his wife, and his children, and his brothers, and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciples. And I'm going to tell you, here in America, we have a lot of trouble with that. We have a lot of trouble with that. Because we can't, because we're not ever called here in America to do one or the other. We can love Jesus, and we can love our daddy. We can love Jesus, and we can love our wife. We can love Jesus, and we can love our mama, right? We, we get both. But as I said this morning to my Bible study, there are people all over this world that understand exactly what that means. Paul talks about it all the time. There are people around this world, they, if they follow Jesus, mama ain't going to talk to them no more. If they follow Jesus, they are going to sever ties with their family. They'll be shunned from their culture. By the way, not just outside the United States. If you're a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness or an Amish, the same thing, follow Jesus and see what happens. Follow Jesus, and that scripture right there will come true in your life. You see, the fact is, thank God most of us don't have to make that decision. And what Jesus is saying here is the fact that, look, if it comes to your family or me, you better choose me. Love me. In fact, in comparison to the love you have for others in your life, it should almost look like love and hate. And in fact, I can tell you, if you lived in some society where choosing Jesus shunned you from your family, that your mom and dad, would, eat, if you choose Jesus, they'd even say, why do you hate us so much? Because it looks like hate. Everybody with me? You're leaving your culture. You're leaving your family. You're, you're abandoning everything we taught you. Why do you hate us so much? You don't hate them, but it looks that way because you love Jesus more. That's all he's saying. That's all he's saying. When it comes to your family... See, you may be here today and you may be thinking about following Jesus and you think, well, what, what's my mom and dad going to think? What's my, what's my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my wife, my husband? What would they think if I do this? And Jesus is saying, choose me. Choose me. Don't let family keep you from following Christ. That was a mistake that Abraham made and he settled for many years there in Haran when he shouldn't have because he let family get in the way. Number three... And I think this is one that gets every one of us, and that is familiarity. Go back to my map here for just a minute. Um, they've traveled from Ur, and they've gone up the Euphrates River all the way through Mesopotamia up into Haran. I mentioned earlier, every city along that path had its own chief god. You remember Ur was the moon god. Well, guess what? When they got to Haran, guess who turned out to be the chief god of Haran? Nana, the moon god. You see, when they got there, they found a city that had the same culture that they had left behind. They found a city that had the same economy that they left behind. And they found a city that had the same religion that they left behind. And so they just stayed there because that's what was 
familiar to them. You see, it turns out that culture, you know, we, we may not admit to this, but it turns out culture is a very, very difficult thing for us to break from. Your, your culture really is in your DNA. Your, your culture really is, is part of who you are. It's how you talk. It's how you walk. It's, 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 it's how you work. It's the things you enjoy doing. It's, everybody with me? It's very difficult to break from your, your culture. That is a huge and a drastic life choice to do that. You see, as we're here this morning, how many of us have settled? We've settled with our jobs. We've settled with our houses. We've settled with our, with our, with our hobbies. And we've just kind of settled down. And we're not, we're not growing spiritually. We're not moving places that we know God would have us to go. Some of you here may have a calling on your life that God has called you to do something, and you just you hit a certain point and you just settled. And you never walked out that calling. You settled in your own Haran. You see, I think, I think we all have a sense, I know I do, this is in my mind all the time, that there's more to this Christian life that Jesus has called us to than just coming to church on Sunday and singing and preaching and shaking some hands and, you know, going and, and, and grabbing an El Jalisco's and going home and then going back out and going to doing another week that's the same as the week before and the week after and over and over and over again. And sometimes I think there's more than this. There's more than this. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Is that what he's talking about? I don't, I don't think so. In Matthew 10, 39, Jesus said this, Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses it for my sake will find it. Jesus is telling us that if we really want to know true, abundant life, you've got to leave the trappings of, your, of the familiar You've got to leave the trappings of the familiar. And by the way, that is not an easy thing to do. You see, Jesus knows that in him... Listen, I said it before, human nature is human nature. There are certain things we all want. We all want to be loved. We all want to be fulfilled. We all want to be content. We all want to have joy. We, that's just human nature. And Jesus is sitting there telling us in the Bible over and over again, you'll find those things in me. Find those things in me. Not in your culture, not in your hobbies, not in your houses, not in your cars, not in any of that. You will find those things in me. And how many of us settle for less? How many of us settle for less over and over again just because it's familiar? Now listen, if you want to move on, if you're stuck this morning, and and listen, in in a crowd this size, some of us are stuck. Some of us are stuck. You can look back in your life and there was a time God was doing things in your life and and it's just like you've just gotten stuck. Some of you here are stuck. And it could be because of fear. could be because of family. could be because of familiarity. It could be some other things. could be because you've been hurt. could be because you've got bitterness and unforgiveness. There's, There's other things. But the fact is we need to take a look at our lives and see... Where are we? Am I stuck in my own Haran? And I tell you, when you start asking that question, there's a lot of hard questions out there. There's a lot of hard questions. I'll just give you a few to get started. How how would God have me use my money? Am I using my money for me? 
to make me more comfortable or am I using my money for the kingdom, to grow the kingdom? How about uh, how am I using my time? When we get free time, how do we use it? Is it, is it for me? Relax, vacations, all of that kind of stuff. Nothing wrong with that. But is that all we're doing or are we serving others in some way? In fact, that's a great one there. Ask yourself this question, one question. Jesus said, I, I didn't come. He says, I came to serve. Christians serve. How are you serving this morning? What are you doing in your life to serve others? If you're not doing anything, let me tell you, you're stuck. You're stuck because our life should be a life of service to others. What am I sacrificing? What am I really sacrificing in my, in my life for the kingdom? Like I said, those are just a few to get you started, to see, am I stuck? Are there other things that God has out there for me? You see, the fact is, we'll always be stuck in our own Haran if we don't see Jesus for who he really is. One of my favorite parables in the Bible is a very simple parable. And Jesus said there's a man digging in a field, and he hits a treasure. And he covers it back up, and he goes and sells everything that he has, and he comes back and he buys that plot of land. Because he knows what's in that ground is worth more than everything else he will ever earn in this or have in this life. And the whole point of that is Jesus is the treasure. That's the whole point. You see, when you see Jesus for who he really is, then all that other stuff just pales in comparison, and you'll give anything to have him. Are we stuck in Haran? You see, if you want out, you have to believe that Jesus is enough. Trust him. As I said, our faith is in a person, not a plan. Put your faith in Him. Now, you may be here this morning. You might not even be a believer. Listen, let me just... Can I say this? Coming to church doesn't make you a believer. Everybody with me? I'm sure everybody here believes in God, or else you probably wouldn't be here. Believing in God will not get you to heaven. Romans 10, 9 says, If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, He must be your Lord. I can believe all day that chair will hold me up, but at some point, i got to sit in it and prove it. Right? Just believing in God is like saying, yeah, sure, it'll hold you up. Believing in Jesus is like sitting in the chair and saying, okay, I'm put, I, I put my faith in you. Just, just being here doesn't make you a believer. Putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior makes you a believer. And some of you here that are unbelievers, you felt the draw of God in your life. You felt God pull you. You felt that. But then you hit a point and you just stopped. Maybe it was because of fear. Maybe it's because of family. What will my mom think? What will my dad think? What will my friends think? Maybe it's because of familiarity. Man, if I, if I follow this, I'm not going to be able to do that. Or, or this is going to change. I don't know. But the point is, you've stuck and you settled. And, and, the, and that's a very sad ending to that story, by the way. Genesis 11:32. Tara lived 205 years and he died right there. He never made the promised land because he just settled. Don't settle. If you're an unbeliever, this is a message for you. Get yourself unstuck. Put your faith in Jesus Christ and get on the road to the land of Canaan, which is the promised land, eternity, heaven, and don't look back. If you're here today and you might be a believer and you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, and as I said earlier, there were times in your life where you were growing 
and maturing, but the fact is you've stopped. Something has happened. You've just settled. Don't, let me tell you, don't stay there. God has got so much better things for you if you'll just get out of that place that you're stuck and move forward. I don't know. I, I tried to figure out how long Abraham stayed there. Um, I'm not sure. I saw some estimates, 15 years, 20 years, that he just stayed there. And he wasn't able to, to move on because he's waiting on his, on his father to, to do something. Don't stay stuck in your own Haran. I'm going to ask Chuck to come here in just a minute. And uh, if you're here today, and as I said, if you're an unbeliever, and you felt at one point God drawing you, but yet you just stopped, then make this the day where you get unstuck. Make this the day where you take that final step and you put your faith in, in Jesus Christ. If you're here and you're a believer, and something in this message has resonated with you, and, and you realize I've been stuck on my journey of faith, um, then this morning, come down, do some business with the Lord, and get unstuck. Man, he has got such great things out there ahead for us. If we'll just get out of this fear, get out of this familiarity that we find ourselves in. Father, thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.